Pearsons of the Coaches Coaches Corner, Blue Bloods, myself, Coach Fred, got a special guest, man. We told you guys we're going to bring some heat. We brought some heat. The guy, I think he's the guy that made the series what it is uh, or what it was. It was going pretty good before him, but it really caught fire with him. Uh, and it sizzled out after him. And we're going to give him his flowers, and we're going to bring him on right now. My man, Coach JB, what's happening? What's up, brother? Appreciate you. Appreciate yes, you having sir. me. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming on with us, man. Always, always. So, Coach, it's, it's been a little bit since, you know, people may have seen you. What have you been up to since the series ended, man? We know after season four, you went independence, went your separate ways. What have you been up to other than, you know, I know you got a successful podcast right now, but what uh, have there has there been any contact with schools? Are you looking to get back into coaching? Are you good with being in the media game? Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if I'm in the media game, but I, I guess I'm in my own game. Uh, I, coaching, you know, We've, I've been. I've talked to a few schools, couple, uh, couple JUCOs, couple uh, interview opportunities. But you know, as Fred will tell you, uh, as Coach McNair will tell you, man, it's a. Uh, not every job's a good job. Not every job's a job you need to take just to be a head coach. You don't need to take every single job. And uh, I'm well beyond that point in my career, I guess, or in my life. So you know, not if it's not a great job, and and and, and if you don't have autonomy and admin buy-in and there's so many factors that that coach will tell you I, i'm not in i'm not in it and uh to be honest man if you want to really be brutally honest like i am i don't have any real burning interest right now i just i'd probably be fired tomorrow dealing with these cats i don't know how, you do it. I don't know how y'all do it man kudos to you clap clap it up <laughs> hey coach so you know uh you know, staying in touch with you and, and kind of going through the uh, through the game, man. I mean, when I first made contact with you there at IC, uh, you put me in the game. I, I got to give you a hand clap for that. You put me in the game. You made me hot. Uh, I remember getting a bunch of calls about I'm on last chance you, and I'm like, I'm on last chance you. And you have my, my email and my name circled on your board. And everybody that saw that episode called me, man, you're on last chance you. Uh, without last chance you, Coach, do you still think you're at IC? Um, yeah, or somewhere, you know, somewhere. I mean, that's the thing, you know, do, do I move up? I mean, you know, I was talking to buddies of mine at the four-year level and, and, you know, was that an opportunity? Possibly. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't yearning to go be a four-year guy. I think Juco's a special niche. I think I'm as Juco as Juco gets. I think Juco needed me. Um, more than I needed it, but I was Juco as, you know, I'm a Juco as Juco gets. Like I said, I think, uh, it was a, you know, it, it was a perfect fit for me. And I, you know, I've been at what, shoot, eight, nine Juco's in my career coach as a coach, um, two in the national level in the Juco scene in Kansas. So, you know, two different Juco's there. I, I mean, uh, would I have moved up maybe somewhere or, I don't know if I'd have took another JUCO job because I put so much into Indy and I had I had so much uh, from what what I was when I got there to what it was when I left um, was obviously night and day. It was a bottom five JUCO in America when I took it. It was a top five JUCO in America when I left it. And, and you know, coach, what you mean when you say top five? Um, might have not been number fifth ranked that year that I left, but we were a top five attraction for a job. If a head coaching job came open, which it did. There was 500 applicants. When I applied for the job, there was 20 applicants. So that's, you know how it goes, Fred. It shows you what you've done in a place. If you left right now, there'd be, there'd be thousands of, of applicants for the job, and that's how the true test uh, for, for what a coach does at a place uh, prior, to, or, you know, uh, prior to his arrival and, uh, and post his arrival. So, it's just one of those deals. I think uh, putting in a turf field, putting in a locker room, a weight room. I mean, you, you recruited the place. You know the area. It, it had nothing when I got there, and it, it arrived some FCS facilities when I left there. So it was uh, that was what I liked doing. I liked I liked doing that. I rebuilt a lot of places in my career, and, and that's just something I like doing. And, and, and along and cutting, you know, that part of that process is getting these uh, these babies. We like to call them these babies. These kids getting them in there uh, from all walks of life and uh, 
and, you know, massaging them from a boy and turning them into a man. And, and that's a finite detail, as you know. And uh, getting those kids was, was the most, uh, you know, the most uh, fulfilling part of the position. You, you've coached, what, now 25, if I'm not mistaken, NFL players in your career and took them from Juco to the NFL. For you, looking – 28, dog. 28, oh, man. So <laughs> almost a third, you know, almost 30. But looking back, is there one guy who made it to the NFL level that when he came in is probably someone that you never foresaw making it that, like, what's your biggest success, like, that you could hang your hat on in terms of player development? Man, uh, so many, man. I got like, shoot, I got a lot playing right now that, that fits in there. You know, I had a kid, a quarterback uh, named Brad Sorensen, big, long, lanky kid, uh, came recruited out of high school, wasn't really recruited too heavy. They ran, they ran like wishbone. He was six, five, six, six. Um, his brother's been the starting safety for the chiefs for the last ten, eight years. Daniel Sorensen, his other brother was my tight end. So I coached the family. Great family, man. Mormon family. Uh, he wanted to go on his mission. Uh, after he played a year for me, he had offers from Oregon, Michigan, UConn, everybody. Uh, when he came out of high school, he had really nothing because of the offense they were in and for the size he was. But he also played with Stephon Bradford, Jimmy Smith, uh, longtime NFL players. He had a lot of dudes on that team there uh, here in Colton, California, Colton High School. So he, had a t- he played on the high school with four, four NFL guys. And he didn't really – he was kind of the under guy. Nobody really looked at him. And I'm like, man, this dude's probably an NFL guy. And everybody laughed at me. I brought him to Juco for me for one year. His brother was a first-team All-American tight end for us. Um, Brad ends up going on his mission, turning down every opportunity. He goes on his mission for two, comes back, full ride to BYU. He gets there. They kind of screwed him, basically. And he was like, you know what, I'm out. And I hate to say that because I hate to say that because I just know how false that is for 99% of the the the, posi- the the profession. Usually, everyone screwed you is is the is the is the get out of jail free card when it's really not. You just got beat out or something like that. So I knew the situation. I wasn't too pleased with BYU either. And 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 I got him. I got him help. Um, and he didn't want to sit around and get re-recruited. He could have came back to JUCO for me because his clock stopped as a Mormon kid on a mission. And he would have went anywhere in America. He ended up saying, I'm just going to go play, coach. And he goes to Southern Utah. I think he's the FCS player of the year three times. And he gets picked up by the Chargers. He was Rivers backup for a long time. Ends up going to the Vikings and the Titans. And uh, that's a guy that you, th- you you like to see that story because, you know, a lot of people didn't think he'd get it done. And, uh, shoot, he could have been a top 10 ball spinner in the, in, in the league at that time. He was a big-time kid. But he played behind a you know, Hall of Famer and uh, – that sometimes plays a part of it where you get drafted is a huge thing in this business. So he uh, never got to really see him play on the field too much, but he played around seven, eight years in the league. And uh, you know, now, now he's, uh, he's successful. And that's the end of the, at the end of the day, that's all we can hope for as coaches and mentors and men. And for this could be a question for both of you guys. Cause you mentioned that, you know, we came from like a wing T offense in high school and that's not what, he fit into and, and coach Fred's a wide receiver because there's a lot of wide receivers that play in some horrific high school offenses where they don't get to show their skill set. We just saw Cameron Ward have to go to incarnate word because he threw like 15 passes in high school and then went to Washington state and having a hell of a year in the pac 12. Does that ever frustrate you guys at the college level recruiting guys? And how hard is, how hard is it to spot talent in those weird offenses where kids are put way out of position? Let me go. Yeah, I get that to the guests. Uh, it's not hard at all if you know what the hell you're doing. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Pete Carroll uh, is one of my mentors. I mean, he, he's a personnel guy. I think you have to be a personnel guy first. If, you, if you're a coach, if you don't have an eye for talent, I think you're just a position coach at best, and you do what the head coach says and what the job entitles and tells. I don't know if, uh, if you're not a personnel guy, I don't think you can really – uh ever be a head coach or a coordinator or excel at this profession so uh you know i've taken wide outs at a six five and turned them into dns i mean and i saw it in high school i said listen you can come play wide out if you want to but i'm gonna be honest with you if you want to be jason pierre paul and go to the nfl you probably come over here on this side and we do the opposite and we do we flip coin that right um man i took a kid out of, i took a kid to garden city man it, 
this cat was a quarterback running option. They had him at wideout. He played every position on the football field, DB. He just got drafted. Played, ended up playing at SEMO, Southeast Missouri, uh, after he never even really played at Garden City for us. He never even really played at Garden. And, and he was a freak athlete, went to SEMO, played four years there, or three years there, dominated, had a hell of a shot, got a shot in the league. And I found him in uh, in a place called Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Nobody knew about him. Just me turning over rocks and finding this kid. And, uh, man, Shabari Davis is his name. Hell of a kid and, and was a damn great kid. And, and it's just like he was appreciative of the opportunity. And I'm like, dog, you probably ain't going to be able to play quarterback at this level. So I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably a DB, and you can be a hell of a one. This guy would intercept the ball, do three black flips in the motion. And I'm just like, this dude's a freak, and he needs to be on the field somewhere. And Pete Carroll, what does he have right now? If you don't know, the running back's probably the rookie of the year right now. Uh, nobody wanted him. And the corner he took from Texas A&M Kingsville, Division Two. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's probably the defensive rookie of the year if it's not if it's not Juice Gar- Juice up in J- the Jets. But the bottom line, this kid's a D two kid, and he's probably the next Richard Sherman, six three and a half, six four corner who can run as a Division two kid. Now, you look these things over, you look for it. Pete Carroll took one of my kids, uh, Bruce Irvin, uh, took him in the first round. Nobody thought they said, "What the hell are you doing?" He played Juco out here with me and Callie, and then he goes to West Virginia. He's all Big East, and he takes him number nine, I think, that year. And everyone was like, what are you doing? This guy's not really proven, and da-da-da-da-da. 6'6", 240, runs 4'4". That's a evaluator of talent. And Bruce Irvin hung around the league for a long time and, and got a Super Bowl or two. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. You got to understand that and, and, and judge it. And I, I hate to see that. That kid, no way that kid goes – goes to incarnate world uh or word um because he threw 15 passes i'm taking that just like coaches and we're looking at at the board and we're saying okay what's his intangibles what's his measurables what does he have to offer how smart is he fbi he's got football intelligence good kid good character no issues now i take all that if he checks all those boxes now i'll worry about the talent and figure out where he fits but if you can't figure that out and you let him go you should have got fired. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> Coach, now with that, when you're talking about that uh, the evaluation thing, now you were at Garden when uh, Nick Marshall. Uh, I got there right after him. So him and Tyreek Hill both left right as I got in there. Okay. Okay. Because I know you guys had uh, – that's kind of where you guys started that whole influx into the, uh, into the conference. Uh, yeah. With that talent out of uh, out of Florida, out of Georgia, and those types of things, and you guys still had that rule uh, where they yeah, were still out of state. Like, twelve out of staters. Yeah, twelve um, out of state limits. Yeah, which has changed now. It's uh, it's it's unlimited. Uh, yeah, I, think, I don't think it's unlimited anymore either. I think it went back to like sixty now. Sixty. Oh, I, well, I know they 60, were changing. But yeah, it went from a it went from unlimited to like sixty. You got to have so many Kansans again. So I'm glad I'm out of there, brother. To be honest with you. <laughs> now, how did you wind up? You're a California guy. So how did you wind up in all places, Garden City? Man, um, so I played my college ball at Western Kansas at Fort Hayes State for, for uh, Coach Liker, who, who was at Tennessee Jeff. with Peyton, Jeff Liker. Yep, he was yep. at Tennessee with Peyton Manning. He, you know, he coached, I think, Gruden uh, way back in the day, like New Mexico State, I want to say. He's been around. Great coach, great dude. Uh I got high regard for him. You know, it's, it was tough playing him and having to beat him for our uh, first title in, in school in 30 years, and, and uh, which led to our first bowl win in school history uh, that year that Netflix showed. But, um, you know, he recruited me to Fort Hayes. I go out there sight unseen because I, le- I was leaving New Mexico. It's funny, I had Brian Erlacher on my show because I was actually going there with him and uh, ended up having a clock issue. So Coach Rocky Long couldn't signed me. I couldn't go. And I had to go D2. I go D2, sight unseen, Fort Hayes State, Western Kansas, ironically, about two hours uh, north of Garden City. So I just had a lot of friends, a lot of connections in the state of Kansas. Kansas was always good to me for, for, for various different reasons. I played there two years, got an opportunity with the Chiefs, got, got to play arena football over and go to NFL Europe. I did all these things. 
and football allowed me to do that. But at the same time, those connections that were built um, when uh, when I got hired at Garden City, um, you know, it was because I had the connections to recruit not only the state of Kansas, but just being a recruiter that I was in, out here in California, uh, had a lot of Kansas connections. And you know how it is. It's all who you know. It ain't what you know. Period, point blank. <laughs> no doubt. Loving looking back to, you know, we talked about some of the success stories, you know, season three, you guys win the first bowl game in like 30 plus years for you. Looking back, was there anything that you could have done different with this, with the second year team where it didn't go as well, looking back differently to make it a little bit more successful? Like what was the biggest difference between those two teams? Yeah. So, so we, we won the first bowl game in school history. It was the first conference title in 35 years or something. Um, and, to be honest, there's not anything else I could have done. And Fred will tell you straight out, you coach long enough, you're going to have that year. You're going to have that season. And the bottom line is, the truth of the matter is, uh, we probably had – so we, the year before we won it all, we, we had 40 go D1, uh, I think 17 power five. Uh, the year we lost, we had 41 go D1, uh, 20 power five. So do the math and say, okay, well, he wasn't – worse than talent we were as talent we were as more talented uh than any school in the history of juco probably in those two years or uh, three years but it was a bad nucleus and uh coach will tell you you get one bad apple it ruins the whole batch we had a bad bad nucleus because of cameras cameras lights and action man it was too much for those guys the first year we got blown out game one because it, the lights were too bright it was a more mature group of guys even on the coaching staff, and I kind of hit the reset button. They bought what I sold, which is, I, in my opinion, the number one attribute for a, for a head coach. You know, if you get a kid to buy in and buy what you're selling, uh, and then they do it, I, I, I don't care if you win every game or, 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 or not. Uh, that is a huge uh, telltale sign of what a head coach is, is really doing in, in that program. And that is what I, you know, I've always had. I've always had the kids be able to buy what I sold, staff and coaches and players alike, for 20 years. But then this particular year comes, we hit the reset button, we, we go win 10 in a row, win it all, win a bowl game, do all the things, finish second in America and all that. Uh, next year we had just as much talent. We had a bunch of those guys returning, plus, you know, a bunch of new big-time freshmen, plus some big-time transfers. And, um Man, we lose games by one, games by one, two, three, games by four, games in overtime. Uh, when that shit starts to add up, man, and you start to see this stuff, you start to ask yourself, you don't deserve to win as a team because every time I've won in my career, uh, I've won six days out of the week. And usually day seven, which is game day, takes care of itself. And coach would tell you all day long, you know, you don't rob McDonald's on Monday and think you're going to win Saturday. It ain't going to happen. The year before, cats did what they were asked to do. They were, they were men. Uh, we had a lot of boys the next year on the coaching staff as well. And uh, that's why I fired half their asses, right? But they don't show it on the show. But unfortunately, I think I cut 46 kids during that season that you don't see and fired seven coaches during the season um, everybody wanted to be an actor and that includes <laughs> teachers on campus, community members, everybody wanted to be on Netflix except me. And that was the problem. And the problem, and, and what happened was we had 250 kids walk up to campus talking about they're enrolled to play football. Well, you're not enrolled here because I didn't recruit your ass. You're not coming here. But guess what? That school needs that FTE money, coach. Yes, they sir. want that, they want them beds and they want them heads and them beds and them dorms. Yes, and they didn't turn them down. Well, now you got a horrible, horrible nucleus in your dorm room, and you got a bunch of kids that I wouldn't let play. It's now smoking weed, bringing girls in the dorms that I that I didn't allow. Things that we don't do as a, as a team on our in our culture and within our program, we don't do. Now we have those things. And that's because admin allowed it or, 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 or money pinching or penny pinching or whatever it was, right? We, we, can, we can point at a million things. We allowed a bad nucleus of cats up in the, uh, up in the dorm, 
And now one bad apple ruins a whole batch. We had like 200 females enroll in campus because of the show, just to go to school there from all over America. And so now you have a spectacle. Now you have a show in a town of 9,000. Um, and now you got an issue now that you're just like, it's kind of really out of control. And about game four, I already knew it. And I, I was, you know, at that time, I'm like, I'm unfireable. I'm not worried about losing my job. They know what I've done here in the first three years already. Uh, I, I already told the president, this is what we're going to do. He's like, coach, do it. Do you. I'm not worried. So I already rewrapped the weight room that was brand new, by the way. And now I'm like, okay, next year it's character. And now the whole mantra was, was switched in my, and my coach philosophy is switched to character counts, character first. We're going to do a big old thing. I did a whole thing on character. We wrapped the weight room, the meeting rooms. I was already doing it during the season. And as I did that, I fired coaches that I knew I was going to fire the last Saturday of the week. Anyway, I'm already doing it right now. I said, man, I'll coach this whole fucking thing by myself. And I didn't care at that point because I already saw the bad situation that was happening. And I was cutting kids left and right, man. If you farted in the wind and I smelt it, I was cutting your ass. And I just, that's what it was. And then, uh, of course, the Netflix unfortunate whole BS out of context situation happened. And, uh, hey, man, pay me, I'll resign. Fire me, you got to pay me anyway. I resigned. Got my ass out of there. They paid me. Unfortunate, hardest thing I had to do, man, because... I had a lot of kids there. My babies were there. And, 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 and the, the bottom line is idiots, which are grown men and women, uh, screwed over some kids like we do every single day in America. And that's what happened. Egos got involved and, uh, and, and babies suffered. And that's why you see so much badness, miss, just horrible situations happening in America right now because we don't have no damn parental uh, – guidance at the house we don't have any support from admin we don't have any leaders as men uh as coaches now across america landscape starts a youth goes to high school then he goes to college and and you can you know i'm not gonna put i'm not gonna put anything out there but fred fred can nod his head or, uh, yes or no but we got d1 guys out here that don't know how to do a damn thing but they know somebody and a lot of kids are suffering for a lot of reasons out here because uh, they made a bad business decision on choosing a school. And now they're transfer portal. We got 7,200 kids in a portal. I still got access. 7,200 kids in a portal, man. That is a pandemic. That's an epidemic. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. That's just my take. But sorry to run and ramble on. But that's kind of what happened in a nutshell. We had a bad nucleus of people. And usually we win six days out the week. That means on time to class, in the front row. No slides, study hall, on time to wait, practice. We don't miss. We're not doing stupid things in the community. You win six days, seven days takes care of itself when you're that uber talented. Uh, coaching's overrated, my friends. Players win you games, coaches lose them. And uh, a lot of people don't think that's true. They have no idea what they're talking about. But Fred laughing because he knows the truth. <laughs> It, I, I was going to get to recruiting, but I, I do want to pivot back to one thing you did say. You talked about a lot of D1 coaches putting kids in bad situations. You see the transfer portal overflowing. You also see buyouts. Now, I graduated from Auburn. Man, I think they're still paying buyouts from the last 10 years for coaches at, at, at this point now, and they're probably going to give whoever they hire a $10 million contract. When when you guys see that and you you guys are connected in the coaching community, you guys know a lot of coaches who can coach their asses off that don't have a job right now or are in a worse situation. Does that because I know you've been vocal that it's bothered you, but I mean, what's y'all's take on that right now? Kind of looking at the landscape of the coaching community and how big these buyouts are becoming and how volatile the coaching I would say landscape has become. Me again? Yes, sir. Well. Ignorance is life-threatening, first of all. <laughs> when you have PhD-holding people, that means they have a PhD plaque on their wall, they should be someone different than me and Coach. Me and Coach, unless he get, Coach has a PhD, I'm, I'm thinking about doing one. I got two masters. I'm like, I might as well do it so I could be, so I could be on their level because they're making decisions 
uh, in this profession that blows my mind. And I got to be honest with you. Uh, if you have a PhD, you should be able to hire and fire accordingly. Um, when you have that degree and that piece of paper, you've earned that right. You make a lot of money. You, you hold a lot of prowess. Um, you got a lot of power. And uh, if you have to hire a hiring committee to hire a coach for a campus, which they have no idea whose kids are on and have no idea what the recruiting process was and what the kids make, what makes the kid tick, then you are ignorant. And I don't care if you're a president that makes 500 grand or a million dollars a year and got a PhD, you hired an athletic director who also some have a PhD or a master's or double master's. They're also involved in this hiring committee process and hiring firms, outside firms and all this. You hire these guys that come in, oh, we're going to hire you. Well, guess what? They paid Gus Malzahn $21 million to leave. Just, to hear, just make sure you're listening, not just hearing me. To leave, not to hire. They paid him to leave. And they, hired, they fired Willie Taggart and paid him $17 million to leave Florida State. Um, and guess what? They recycled them same dudes. They got another job at a new place. And my honest opinion, there's Nick Saban. You got Dabo Sweeney's got two of them. You got Jimbo's got one, which in, in, in inherited a roster, in my opinion. Won that one. And you got Kirby Smart now. Other than that, everybody in America, anybody that's getting over I don't even want to put a dollar amount on it, but anyone that's making nine million, ten million, and isn't winning a natty, isn't winning a ring, um, is a bad hire because you're recycling these same dudes that lost at the former place, and now all of a sudden they're gonna win at your place. Like you got a damn PhD. <laughs> hey man, I'm just a street cat that has a little bit of a hustle on me that's got two master's degrees. <laughs> What do I know? But I know this. Ignorance is life-threatening, and you do the same thing over and over, expect a different result. It's a damn insanity. And I don't understand how you can't figure out in, your, in this world, in this day and age, with cryptocurrencies and all these social media outlets, <laughs> all this stuff. How, how about I hire Fred McNair to be my head coach at, at, Georgia, at Georgia Tech? I'm going to give you 500K, coach. Really? Yeah, I'm going to give you 500K. It's, not a, it's, not, it's a slap in the face, but it's not because Coach McNair wants to prove to everybody that he could do it. So I'm going to take a one-year deal, 500K, but you're going to give me a staff pool of money that's equivalent to Georgia and everybody that you want to beat. So I can go hire an OC and a DC and a recruit coordinator and a D-line coach and an OC and an O-line coach, and, I'll, and I can go get the best of the best still, but don't pay me $10 million yet. Let me prove to you my work. If that model was used, you would be shocked at who's coaching Division I football right now. You wouldn't even see half these guys. You'd see a lot of me and Fred's out here coaching, and you'd see a lot of younger coaches getting jobs because they came up through archery, and now they got another opportunity to go do some uh, great things and prove folks that you don't got to hire Jimbo Fisher and pay him $10 million. Like, there's guys out here, man, that you clearly see that these big-time guys that have got this money, are, are, a lot of them, not all of them, I know a lot of good dudes out here, man, that do, does a great job, but a lot of these dudes, man, are there for the money, and we know they are, and they have no, the kids have no buy-in, man, because you can call these kids a lot of things. You can call them, unfortunately, coaches I see all across the country. We call them dumb. We call them this. We call them that. Tell you one thing, they're not. They're not stupid. They'll see right through a fake cat in a minute. In a New York minute, they'll see right through you. And if you're disgenuine or blowing smoke, they're going to call you out on it right away. And they may not call you out, but you know what is worse? Checking out. Physically, mentally, body language, they checked out. Well, it's worse than telling me in my face that I'm a liar. And uh, I wish you'd just tell me straight out. And that's why I wish coaches would tell the kids straight out. Son, you're not a D1 Power 5 kid. I'm sorry. But I'll get you a degree. You'll be a better human being and a better man for it. Ah, oh, man, I'm going to enter the portal. I think you're BSing me. Good luck. But I told you I gave you opportunity. But that's not happening. And that, what I just said hap should happen in the household recruiting the kid back six years ago. But it ain't happening. 
we're blowing smoke. We're getting the kid to come here for a pretty uniform and and a pretty girl on a visit. And what happens is, <laughs> what happens is they get there. Coach walks by him on the first day. Don't say nothing to him. Now he's acting like he don't like me no more. He told me this, this, and this. And now I'm in the portal because these kids already don't have any tough skin. Anyone at home telling them uh, this is real life and not whispering sweet nothings to them. And, and, and I'm be honest with you, man. We could talk about this for seven hours on a show. Uh, I never blame kids in any scenario. Even the kid that made up BS about me and, and, and made me leave, uh, I, I still don't blame them because a grown man or woman was involved in that whole process. And a grown folk, um, the grown folks in this business, in this life, in this world, are the ones that should be blamed. And that's just what it is, for good and bad. It should be praised and should be blamed. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we're not holding the adults accountable anymore. And we're handing the car keys to these kids who have yet to pay a light bill, send a kid to college, pay a mortgage, uh, go to the NFL, sign a contract, but we got kids every single day in America telling their parents what they will and will not eat at 13, 14 years old. And parents allow it. And as Fred knows, in this business, you coach it or you damn allow it. And we're allowing it all over America and all over every single landscape you can think of, not just football. And, you know, we all know recruiting is the lifeblood of any program in college football. What would, what was your recruiting strategy and what would you say is the key to being a good recruiter on the recruiting trail? Man, you got, you got, you going to Venmo me? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, look, I'm not looking to coach anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> too many secrets, man. I don't want to give Dion no damn, uh, no, 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 no. He already taken my other shit out here. So I don't want to give him no recruiting tip. Um, but I'm be honest. Um, I have I have four major points um, of emphasis that you got to have, kind of like a checklist. You got to kind of get these things. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to recruiting, but there's four major things, and a lot of people don't understand them. Um, you know, there, there, there's find them, right? You got to find them. Um, you got to locate them. You got to contact them, and you got to sign them. So those are the four things. Uh, a lot of guys at the four-year level at Division One, uh, I used to talk to in clinic because they didn't know how I got certain guys. And they're like, what are you giving them? I said, I never bought a kid more than a steak dinner. I've never paid a kid's mortgage. I never bought a kid a car. I never did any of that. I never lied to a kid either. And if you find the common denominator and all that crap, how am I beating you out when you're trying to buy a kid a car? And I'm just telling them the truth. Now, Takes a special cat. I do think I'm the best recruiter in America. No offense to anyone. But having said that, um, people say, well, you just said you got to find them. You got to locate them. You got to contact them. And you got to sign them. What's the difference between finding them and locating them? What's the difference between finding them and contacting them? Light years. Light years. All three of us right now get on Twitter and find every five-star in America. Right? Right. Can you contact them? How many can you contact? I, I used to teach my youngsters every day. Oh, I got, I found them. All right, cool. And I didn't say nothing. Where's the kid at? Where, why is he not on the visit sheet this weekend? I can't get a hold of them. No <laughs> shit. So you can find them all. Every one of us can find them. Can you contact them? That takes you to another level on my staff. So obviously none of them could even contact them. So I taught everyone how to contact them. Then we go to the next level. What is there between contacting them? I got coach. He hit me back on my DM. This kid come in with a Woody, right? This coach. I got him. I got him. No, you don't got him. He DMs you. He DMs females every day. Who's the shot caller? Who's making the call? Might be his girl. Maybe you can find his girl on Twitter that's at the high school and get hold of her and get win her over. And I'm be honest with you before we keep going, Zach. If you can't get no girl, you ain't never getting no kid. So if your game is weak, I didn't hire you. And I fired you real fast. If you didn't have no game and you couldn't get a female, you ain't getting no players, dog. I'm be honest. 
So uh, if you can't contact them, that's the next thing. I found them, but then I'll contact them. And if you're good, you know, as I did, uh, some guys may be good at finding them. So guess what we're going to do? You go find you, you five guys in the back getting the bullpen, go find all these kids in every state. You guys over here, start contacting these cats. And we'll figure it out. You guys over here, start locating them. Let's start setting up visits. Let's start setting up. Let's go find out. I'm going to be honest with you, though. Um, the difference between, fi- you know, locating them and contacting them is, is, is light years. We can contact them all day. You got an address on them? That's a whole nother ball game. getting that address. Coach will tell you. That's a whole nother thing. Can I come see your mama? Ah, you know, Coach. Now you got a battle. Now you're fighting them. And now you hear Auburn's up in the house. Oh, damn. How do you get in there? I ain't got the address yet. We're behind. See what I'm saying? We're, this is a real thing. So, so now, can I contact you? Now do I lo- how do I locate you? And then, end of the day, we're signing them. And that's between us, uh, off the record, you know, now that I'm not coaching, Hey, Coach, you get the three-star kids signed. You did all processes. You found them. You located them. You contacted them and signed them. You might get $1,000. <laughs> you found them, and then, Zach, you you contacted them, and then Coach Fred lo- uh, located them, and then Coach Brown signed them. You, get, you may get $250 each. So, like, I incentivized it that way. Um, and I did it out of my own pocket. So it was nothing not funny bending about it. I said, you know what? We're going to incentivize this thing. And that way you guys know. Now they're battling in the bullpen for the Cats. Now you've created a recruiting atmosphere within the organ, or within the compound to go out here and be the best. Because now the coach is giving me this, this, and this. And then I give out other different little awards to the staff for things and, and put it up on the board. And we had it on nice boards drawn up and made up. So, like, just a lot of different philosophy. You got to be a damn psychiatrist, man, psychologist, um, psychologist in this thing. You don't got to be a coach. You don't got to be a coach. I'll be honest. You don't got to be a coach. But doing all these recruiting tactics, um, those are just some things, man. I'm not giving away all the damn secrets, but a lot of those things are the base foundation, the core foundation on, on how to turn over rocks and get these kids. And I'm be honest with you. How do you get Jermaine Johnson, coach? Uh, you know, that was my 10th first round draft pick, by the way. How'd you get him? You know what? I never talked to Jermaine Johnson. Never. Never talked to Jermaine Johnson until the very, very end when he signed the, when he signed the LOI. And they said, what? And I had Jermaine on the show and Jermaine's ass. And man, Coach J.B. was hollering my mama. Not that way either. <laughs> I'm going to find who's making the call and I'm going to go find that person first. If I can win that person over first, I got a pretty damn good shot. And most every good player, big-time player, NFL guy, I never even talked to the kid. Never went that route. But I had all of my staff thinking that was the route. So I let my staff eat. Go find Jermaine. They're all hit. Coach, I got, I'm hitting Jermaine. I'm talking. I'm cool. All right. I'm busy. Get out of here. They think they're really making process, progress. A lot of them never got hit back by Jermaine. Maybe a few got through to him a couple times. I'm talking to the mom the whole way in the back. I've already set up two home visits, me and the mom's talking in person twice already. I don't even want to see Jermaine. I already know what who he is. I don't even want to see him. I want mom, auntie, girlfriend, sister, brother, daddy, whoever it is, daddy in jail. Daddy in jail. I, I've done that. I've done that too. Um that is what you got to do to be an elite recruiter. There's good recruiters, there's great recruiters, but there's not a lot of elite ones. Um, and a lot of a lot of guys now in this social media business and in this uh, NIL deal and these and these portal deal and all this social media fame, and you get a guy like you know your guy over at Jackson State, and you get guys in the, that have a figurehead or a face or 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 somebody in all this. That's what they're using and depending on um, to get guys over other guys. And, and I just wish other guys would realize, okay, well, there's, there's ways to use that against them too. And uh, if there's not enough guys doing it, and it's only Fred doing it, it's not enough. Because other guys in, uh, in, in within the conference got to do it too because there's too many kids out here. There's 400 million people in America. Uh, 
<laughs> can't sit here and tell me that we're all going after the same kid. There's too many kids. And if you are, you're lazy. You're a lazy recruiter. And people always be like, man, I never even saw that kid on my board. 6'8", 330, runs 4'8", from Germany. <laughs> Fucking right. Yeah, he ain't on your board. Because you know what? There's a lot of humans in the world. You got to turn over damn rocks and figure this thing out. And a lot of people don't realize that and, and understand that. And, and a lot of people talk, well, they hate Coach Brown. It's funny, though. I've never seen a kid on Twitter ever talk bad about me, ever. It's crazy. It's crazy that I had the best players in America keep coming back every year. And it's crazy I never had a kid leave me ever in my coaching career, but they hated me. Ironically weird, but I guess that's what uh, social media does to folks and people who believe that a, uh, that a show uh, was 100% accurate. So, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> to keep on the recruiting for I toss it over to Coach Fred. You're out of the you're out of the business right now. Just looking at it from an outside perspective, how do you feel like NIL is is it good for college football recruiting or bad? I mean, you see the kid. I think the kid down in Miami was supposed to, I think it was like an eight million dollar NIL deal to commit down there. What's just your perspective on that right now? Man, I think it's the worst thing ever. Um, and this is my take on it. Uh, Nico, one of my kids out here, uh, his daddy is one of my Juco tight end, uh, going to Tennessee, uh, $8 million already, uh, hasn't played yet. I think it's, I think we're setting these 17 and 18 year old babies up for a huge failure. Number one, they haven't even took a snap versus Alabama yet. And you're telling them you're going to pay them $8 million. And, and if Hendon Hooker returns, for instance, at a place like Tennessee, you're going to still play Nico. You're paying him $8 million now. This is NFL without re return. This is, this is NFL free agency without a return. Uh, you know, this is the thing. Me and Fred, I'm sure Fred agree. We would have loved to be paid when we played uh, in college. I mean, who wouldn't have? I'm all for these babies getting paid. They deserve to get paid. I think they should get paid. We had to have a job and couldn't get a job because we couldn't get paid and all these different things in, in NCAA Non-caring, you know, I don't want to say it, but what the real NCAA stands for, I won't say it because the coach is working under it. L let, me, let me say something, though. Um, I came out years ago and I said the NCAA needs to have a commissioner for football, number one. Number two, I think that you should pay these kids, but not for the name and likeness because my, my, one of my good friends growing up who I played with in high school is the reason NIL exists, Ed O'Bannon, who sued the NCAA for college basketball, NCAA basketball. Uh, that was my high school teammate uh, in hoops. You know, the, the, the problem is they should be paying these kids for their scholarship worth. See, back in the day with me and Fred, it was, it was a five-year, ten-semester scholarship. And you guaranteed could finish it even if you were hurt, injured, got cut. It was hard to lose that 10 semesters or five years. You were going to get paid regardless as far as scholarship-wise. Now, NIL comes around. You could cut dudes damn near now. Like, you could get rid of dudes on Scully. There's, there's all these different rules that kicked in. But the bottom line is the backup left tackle and the, the third-string corner and the fourth-string running back is not getting or not getting jersey sales in the student store. They're not getting T-Mobile contracts. They're not getting BMW car deals. They're not getting Cadillac deals. The average NIL deal is $300. So why aren't any why isn't anyone doing any research on this stuff besides just talking about Bryce Young getting the 5 mil or 2 mil or 1 mil? Like, it's, it's 1% of these kids are getting this big bag, so to speak, right? $300 is the average. So I, 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 I envy Coach uh, McNair. I envy him because I don't know how you do it now where you have to have the attention of everybody. You have to MF them the same. You got to love on them the same. And they all have to be bought in at the end of the day. And then they look at you side-eyed when you're starting quarterbacks getting a mill ticket, the backup ain't getting nothing, and he's still getting MF the same, and he's still getting love the same, but he ain't getting a million dollars, and he don't have any deals. And now 
He's like, I ain't getting cussed out no more. Bam, I'm in the portal. There goes number one. And bam, portal number two. And I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, you know what the number one reason kids enter the portal is? Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Nobody says it, though. Everybody says that they're soft. Coaches yell at them, they transfer. Well, that's a big part of it. I think we are soft as a society, though. I think it's parents that are soft, not only the kids. But that's a whole other ballgame. Uh, it is peer pressure. Me and, me and Fred are both five stars coming out of high school. We both played at the same high school. I go to Alabama. Fred goes to LSU. LSU Fred starts as a true freshman at LSU. I get redshirted Alabama. What does Twitter say? Damn, dog, you the five-star, all that. You ain't even going to play this year? Nah, I ain't playing. Well, guess what? Nah, fuck this. I'm getting hated on. Man, it's politics. I'm out. Portal. Because Fred's balling at LSU. That is the number one reason for transfer portal. Hey, fight me on it if you want, dog. Cats want to BS all they want about all this BS money, all this? Nah, it's peer pressure. Social media is so big now that the Instagram honeys aren't seeing you play, but they're seeing your boy play, and now you have a problem in the hood with your homies clowning you. That is the number one reason for Transfer Portal, and nobody, I ain't heard nobody on a major platform talk about it yet because they don't know. And you got these dudes on platforms that are very, very big who should be using the platforms for the right reason and telling the real Instead, they fluff it and they BS it and they tell lies to these kids and their parents and they say these things. Oh, they're leaving because they didn't get paid. No, they're not. I never had a kid leave me. I never paid them. Now, I know we're in an NIL deal, but you know what? Imagine me right now on Netflix during NIL. Please. <laughs> I would have had kids that Alabama would be signing right now. I'd have them for one year. Hey, come here first, dog. You go to Alabama after. That's how, that's how, cat, that's what people don't really understand, but I'm just going to keep it humble and, uh, <laughs> here and be quiet. Hey, man, before we let you get out of here, I got a question. Um, since you brought that up right there, how did the whole Netflix thing come about? Because I, I, I coached out in the league. I know where independence is. If I had to do one in that conference, it wouldn't have been at Independence. It would have been at Butler, uh, maybe Hutch. Uh, definitely not Independence. How did that come about? So I didn't know that either. I never even watched the first one in Mississippi or whatever. I didn't know nothing about it. Actually, I MF my staff because they were like, oh, you don't coach. So Netflix calls. I'm in a staff <laughs> I'm actually in a staff meeting, Coach, and I'm talking to the coach. We're recruiting meeting, and – I get this call, and I'm like, who's this? This is a lady from Netflix wanted to talk about the show. If we could come down and interview for the show. And I'm like, what, what show? And all my kids, I got on speaker. All my young coaches are like, Duh. I'm like, so I just, on the phone, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm on speaker, and I look at this staff of 21 or whatever I had in there. And I'm like, what the fuck do you guys do for work? How are you watching Netflix all day if you're out recruiting this kid? <laughs> So, and the lady on the phone is just like, oh, shit. Like, she, you can see, like, she's like, oh. And I'm like, sorry, ma'am, but uh, I just had to ask this question. I don't know shit about you or your show. I don't watch Netflix. I never had an account. I don't know nothing. I still don't <laughs> my own damn show. Um, so I didn't know nothing about it. And I said, no, I'm not interested. I'm good. I hung up that fat. Like, I'm not cool. I'm cool. My staff is just sitting there like, Cole, do you know what that is? I go, no, I don't. I don't give a fuck. But anyway – we started going back into recruiting, and I went home, and I thought about it. I called a few mentors of mine, Division One and NFL, and I talked to some guys, and they were like, Coach, you know, whoopty whoopty whoop. So I slept on it for my two hours of night sleep. I go back in the office. I'm back at 4 in the morning like normal, and I'm like, look, who am I to stop a bunch of young brothers, African-American black men, from getting an opportunity to get highlighted, to move on to a four-year school, for instance, like I've done for a lot of time, a harder way without being highlighted and in the limelight. And who am I to give a bunch of not 200 kids, basically 199 of them are black inner city kids, who am I to stop them from getting an opportunity to get recruited maybe at an all-time high level? I said, so I thought about it, 
They called back the next, they sent me an email, actually. I called the number back. I talked to them. I said, yeah, if you guys want to come down and talk, come on down. This is the dates I got available during spring. So they come, and, and, and in three hours, the, the director, the producer who's produced some of the greatest films on Netflix, he filmed Mitt Romney, made the Mitt Romney deal, the, the, the guy running for president at the time. He's done a bunch of shows that are huge. Uh, he's like, you're the most unfiltered human I've ever seen in 30 years. <laughs> and I said, and I, and I haven't answered your question yet, coach, but he, he, he asked, I, I had to ask him. I said, let me ask you something. Why me? So he filmed us for three days during practice. So he did, he just said, coach, be you. We're going to do our thing. I said, all right. So I had a kid on campus, a kid I brought in uh, named Bobby Bruce, who was, was recognized on the show. And I brought him in and I said, uh, and I MF him from sundown to sunup, and um, he's moping to leave an office, and they're, they're chasing him down, and they're filming him. And this is to answer the question, because I didn't know why they filmed me either. And Bobby Bruce walked in there, and he's damn near pouting and crying and bitching and moaning, and they go, uh, you're going to be at 6 a.m. waits like he just said? And he goes, hell yeah. And they looked at him like, why? He just called you MF this, MF that, whatever else. And he goes, because I love him. That's Coach Brown. And they thought that I was the devil because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just filming the camera, right? They don't know shit about what we do. And that's probably why I was depicted the way I was also, unfortunately. But... The truth of the matter is they thought that it was like unbelievable. They were like, there's no way this dude talks to these dudes like this. And they show up never, never late, never miss, never this, never that because they don't know real recognize real. They film you. They don't understand anything about real life shit. So that's the problem that people don't understand. They filmed me for 5,000 hours, fellas. You saw 16 hours. So you figure out and do all the math on that and, and, and get back to me on what you really think is in there and what they edited and massaged around. Um, but that's a whole nother ball game. There's no defending it. I don't need to defend myself. Coach McNair knows he don't defend himself when it comes to what we, who we are in our character. I sleep at night because uh, my kids don't go to jail. They don't get shot and killed and they graduate and get a degree and move on and have a shot. Because if these young black men from most of my coaching career, if they don't get this damn piece of paper that I that I really don't think's worth shit, but this degree right here, if they don't get it, they have no shot. They won't even get in the fucking door to get an interview. So whether I believe it's real or not and what it really is worth is one thing. But the fact of the matter, they won't get in the door to get an interview with a cat with my skin tone if they don't get the fucking piece of paper. So that is the bottom line that I had to tell these young kids. And I don't want them putting their future in another man's hands. And that's just what it is. And they don't understand that. They don't realize that until they get a guy like me. And if they get through football jail, which is my place, then they usually make it 28 to the league, 270 division one, uh, highest football playing GPA in junior college history, the highest retention rate, the highest graduation rate and send 101 kids division one in three years. It'll never be matched rivaled or anything. I don't care what level you'll never see another community college high school or otherwise send 101 kids division one in three years. And I don't say this to boast. I don't say, I don't care. I don't go to sleep. With those accolades, I go to sleep because these kids get the degree. Uh, and I'm spitting numbers out at you. And if you go back and look at any video or any interview I've ever done, they're the exact same numbers. So I don't got shit written down. So <laughs> kids, Division One, uh, I got numbers that I use on a daily. And I even put it into my whiskey business and my cigar business. Um, 188 of those kids got their four-year degrees after they left me. 36 of them got their master's degrees. So that's what makes me go to sleep at night. Wins and losses, dog, I can give a diddly shit a care about. Because in junior college, who the hell won the national title in junior college last year, Zach? Do you know? 
No idea. No shit. Neither does anybody else. Because nobody cares. We know who won the Natty in the four-year level. We know who won the Super Bowl. But who cares who wins junior college? That's what people don't get. No, my job is to turn you from a boy to a man, get you to Alabama, get you to Arkansas, get you to LSU, Georgia, and you don't get kicked out of there when Nick Saban gets you up at 6 a.m., right? Uh, this is, I'll leave you at this, highest honor. I go see Saban. I had a kid up in Alabama. I go up there, Sarkees, a good friend of mine. We go up there and watch practice or whatever, and I see one of my kids, and I'm like, what's up? He's like, man, nothing. I'm like, why are you up here so early? He's like, shit, you know, you know, coach. And we're just laughing. He didn't have to say nothing. But everybody that was with me was like, damn. He's like, when y'all practice? He was like, six. And all these coaches and these young kids are like, yeah, yeah. you know, bitching and moaning, right? And uh, I had a D-line coach comes over there. He's like, JB, what a man. He's like, this cat right here, man, be out here at five in the morning. And we're like, dog, we can't practice in the NCAA before six. And, uh, or five, I'm sorry, five, because we can't, we, we practice at five. So we're, we don't have no rules. We were on the field at 5 a.m. Like, at Indy? 4.45, right? At Indy. At Indy. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, He's like, this cat be out here an hour early, dog. And I'm like, hell yeah. And and and, and I didn't I didn't care if you were early, just don't be late, right? I didn't care. You don't have to be no hour early and all this shit. He was there an hour early because we practiced an hour earlier. And he was so ingrained in it. We lifted weights at five. And when we practiced in the morning, it was at five. So Mondays were off days, just like the NFL's Tuesdays are. So I use Mondays to bring in people to talk to them about money, to bring to men, men, women in to talk to them about how to talk to women and how not to get caught up in a situation in the dorm. We use Mondays for that. So we use Sundays for watching film and staff. We didn't have no days off. But Monday, kids were off. We did study hall. Scouting reports were handed out from our Sunday work as a staff. Kids got their scouting reports to prep for the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 5 a.m. practice on the field. Tuesday, Thursday – Evenings, we lifted. This is during the season. And then Fridays, 5 a.m. run through. Um, uh, we did a 5, 5 a.m. run through to get ready. Game mock-up, game mock-up, 5 a.m. full speed, 30 minutes, in and out. And then the rest of the days, coaches can go recruit. We can go out to watch games at night on Friday nights. We can get out. We can do a lot of other business. Kids can focus on academics. Why did you do that, coach? What did it do for you? It made a bunch of kids who don't know what to do on their own go to fucking bed at night. So they're not up robbing McDonald's, Walmart, wherever, doing whatever. And nobody understands it. So they didn't need to understand it. I needed to understand it and do it. And to this day, I got a kid that played for me from Tennessee He's a GA with one of my best friends, a head coach at BYU, Kalani Sataki. DJ Williams is now GAing for him. A black kid GAing at BYU. Go, f- I'll say other words, but you can say what you want to say. Coy Dane, who arguably could have been, probably was better than Jermaine Johnson. He got hurt at Cal. He led the Pac-12 in tackles. He got a shot. He was with the Falcons this year. Went to Cal. You know how hard it is to get a JUCO kid into Cal Berkeley? You know how hard it is to get a DB kid from JUCO into Vanderbilt? Only coach in America to get two kids into Cal and Vanderbilt in the same year out of JUCO. Why? Because we have 4.0s. I mean, that's what it was. They thank me to this day that we lifted and, ran, and worked and, and practiced at 5 a.m. The, the ones that bitch and moan and suck their teeth unfortunately, are in jail, in the portal, or unfortunately dead, knock on wood. And it sucks, man, because that's just the, 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 that is the thing. Coach knows, man, you can't save them all. We cannot save them all. And I tell coaches all the time, quit trying to save them all. I did that as a young coach. I learned the hard way. Once you figure it out and you understand you cannot save them all, you will be a better coach because save one a year. Save one a year. And you'll have 100 at the end of your career. That's a lot of fucking lives you save per capita, just being honest. <laughs> if you want to put it in perspective, that's a lot of lives you save. Trying to save 100 a year, you're going to spread yourself out thin, and you're going to end up being 
you're going to look, you're going to be 30 looking like 60 and you're going to be out of the profession really quickly because you, I got lied to man by Johnny. I gave him $20. I bought him hamburger every day. No shit. If you trust one of these kids, you are failing yourself already. Don't ever trust them, but you've got to still love them and love them unconditionally the same way you do your damn daughter or son and know that you're still going to get screwed at the end. That is the profession this is. That is why what Fred is doing right now is so admirable for folks that are out there working in these jobs that don't understand but, but think they do. You are working in a profession that you have to give your all unconditional love to and buy in only to be screwed by a kid. That's it. That's what is going to happen. That's what's going to be. And go, I got to go to the next and start over. And I got to grind again and recruit this kid for four years. And then I, he's going to wear 16 hats on the podium and decommit and clown me. And now I got clown and I worked for I got to do it again. I got to start over. And, I mean, dog, that's what it is. And and once we figure out, let's, let me go out to Johnny. I'm going to save Johnny. Um, then you start to see some some people buying in, and a lot of cats will start making a right at the stop sign instead of making a left following little Johnny, and they'll start making their own decisions. And then you start having a, a culture and a nucleus in the program, and now you're starting to get a culture that's conducive to winning, and now you're like, oh, man, now I got something here special. And now I'm sitting here looking around like, okay, now we got 90% of us turning right. 10% is going left with this quarterback that's a dude, but he's he's he's, he's got some cancer to him, but – but the 90% outweighed it. That's what happened year one. That's why we still got to win it. Um, year two, though, 90% were going left at the stop sign and following that bad dude. And you could have a dude, man, that's a hell of a dude. He's a dude. He's, he's your he's your, he's your, he's your T.O. He's your, he's your Ocho Cinco. He's your, he's your guy, Randy Moss, whoever it may be. He can go one of two ways. He can go left because the guys will follow him because he has that culture in the locker room. He's that locker room guy. Kids like him. They, they're the boys. They, they love on him. And he can go left. They'll follow him going left. But he can also go right, and they'll follow him going right, and he can just turn 20 shitbirds into slap dicks overnight. You know what I mean? Uh, but if he goes left, now you got the head coach and the number one player on your team going like this, and now you got you got a bad nucleus. And – uh that's just what happens. And in and, 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 and the ultimate end of the day, man, the coach is judged by can he get 22 dudes going the same direction at the same damn time, year in, year out, 10 games a year, 11, 12 games a year, um, and still get them graduated, still move them on, still not see them go get killed or go to jail and get their damn degree. And sometimes I see great coaches do that and win four games in a year because – they don't have the buy-in from the admin. They don't have the autonomy. They don't have the resources. But they're doing all that shit I just said and get fired and bring in some dude who has no buy-in, does nothing of that stuff, wins three games, gets fired. And now you just have a horrible spiral downhill thing that's just crippled the program, and you'll never get from under it. And there's a lot of those programs out there right now um, that we see that I know 25 guys better suited to coach at. But – they're, they're Belichick's son. So guess what? He's coaching damn safeties in the NFL. How many white safeties you know of in the NFL? How many white boys DBs you go, you know in the NFL? Sorensen, maybe. I don't think that's it. So you think you think that's the best coach for all brothers in the NFL? I, I know it ain't. That's what I'm saying. It's who you know it ain't what you know. I know 20 better DB coaches right now sitting at home. But he's Belichick's kid. <laughs> yes sir oh man coach we appreciate you coming on man we kept you for over an hour i'm sure there's appreciate a bunch you. of topics me and coach fred man anytime you want to come back on and chop it up with us man we would love to have you before we let you get out of here let people know where they can find you man anything you want to plug that you're doing on the side man let people know where they can find it all oh man uh shoot i'm they can find me man i don't even know half of it uh coach ab store my merch uh and then the coach ab show on youtube every day six to nine a.m pacific uh live and then uh me and sean salisbury man former nfl quarterback uh usc trojan uh legendary guy who's on espn he does his own houston radio uh he, we do a show now called last chance q which is right behind me 
uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. It just actually is aired just now for our Tuesday. We just did our third install. We're calling them installs. So we just did our third install of that, and it's just a real raw and uncut football show. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got my cigars and other things. So, you know, they're, they're, they're all on my website, CoachJBStore.com. So. Hey, man, I've, I've been waiting on my cigar stash. Hey, in the mail. In the mail. I'm going to text my address. I'm going to text my address again. You did already. <laughs> that way I can smoke one on the show, plug it, plug it as we go. Oh, hell yeah, man. Tell Ryan Booze, dog. Don't even it. say nothing. I'm not going to say nothing. I got it. I got it. Hey, man, I appreciate you, brother. Hey, brother, be good. All right, coach.